Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the Steelers Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Steelers Wire editor, Kurt Popejoy. Hello and welcome into the show. Always great to talk Steelers football with Kurt, even after we uh, tie the Lions. Kurt, you know, even, you know, it's it's still good to be here talking football after that uh, ridiculous week, but we'll get there. Uh, Just a quick shout out to our listeners to subscribe for us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Pods, whatever works best for you. Just search for the Steelers Wire. You should see our show pop right up. And again, we appreciate you hitting subscribe. All right, Kurt, personnel, weather, refs, I don't care. There's just no justifying a 16 to 16 tie at home to the Lions this year, right? There just there just isn't any way no. to justify it. It was awful. It, it didn't matter who who was out. It didn't matter that Ben Roethlisberger was out. I mean, that game should not have gone that way. So many mistakes. Uh, yeah, the weather was bad and the you know all that kind of stuff. And Mason Rudolph was playing quarterback. But come on, you, you have to find a way to win that game. The, the blame for that loss or loss. I call it a loss because it may as well be at this point. It feels like um, it because the Ravens and the Browns both oh lose, right? So it's it just feels yeah. like a loss. It does. Perfect, perfect opportunity to take control of the AFC North. Definitely. I mean, perfect opportunity. And, and you know, the, the Steelers are playing just as well as every team they've gone up against. I mean, really, other than the Packers, you know, there aren't many games that they haven't kind of held their own good or bad all season. And it's just, it's insane to me how a team with that much talent could play down as much as they did. I just, I don't get it. It's been that way since Mike Tomlin's been there. I don't know. I, it's really hard for me to kind of wrap my head around how a, a bunch of highly paid professionals could, could come out there and play as poorly as they did. It's, it's, I don't know. I, I guess my expectations are a little high, but I think that's most of Steelers fans. They see how much money is wrapped up in these contracts and with these players, and I think they expect them to to just play better. You know, just just execute. Don't fumble twice in overtime. You know, don't you know d- don't have plays like that happen. I mean, you're you're a professional. You you know how important this is. But again, how do you get to overtime? I mean, how how does it even get to that point? Yeah, um, it's hard to stomach. I mean, I, I think it's yeah. easily uh, Steelers fans should be pissed because you know. Yeah, I don't feel like we're this isn't the greatest Steelers team of all time. They don't have it all together right now, but they're just they're not just as good as like you just said. Like this AFC is wide open. The division's wide open. This is just yeah. a game they should have had and it's just so disappointing. It, it's it's got to be easily the most disappointing game of this year, maybe of the last couple oh, of yeah. years. This is a really disappointing yeah. result. No, no, I agree. I mean, we we lived through 2019 and every time the team lost, you kind of expected it. But even last year, after winning 11 in a row, those those losses after weren't as uncomfortable as this tie was. No, this I was, mean that's... this is brutal. This was brutal. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Mason Rudolph, and he's kind of a polarizing guy right now because you know we're we're still wondering what's going on with Ben and his future. Seems like retirement's definitely on the table there. We don't know if Mason Rudolph is the next guy, but he is he is right now, and uh, he he gets a spot start, Ben comes up on the COVID report right midweek and people are, you know, probably think Mason Rudolph didn't play very well, but you know, I'm seeing a lot of people coming to his defense and I, I don't blame people for defending Mason Rudolph here. You know, obviously short week, he had to prepare for this Lions game, bad weather, as you said, 
Uh, 50 pass attempts, 50 for Mason Rudolph. Now, I know there was some extra series and overtime there, Kurt, but 50 passes compared to 26 rushes for Najee Harris. Like, there's something going on there. I I, I don't like that. Uh, I I didn't think he was terrible. I don't think his receivers had a good day. I think we missed Chase Claypool. When you got to target Ray Ray McLeod 12 times, that's not great. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, you got the receivers dropping the football. The only thing I didn't love was the 4.8 yards per completion. It was just a lot of checking down. Uh, a lot of mm. taking the, especially in overtime, just dropping it off to the whoever's closest to him. Uh, but yeah. you know, overall, yeah. I'm not I'm not here to crush Mason Rudolph. Uh, I, I don't know if no. he's our quarterback of the future, but I'm not here to crush him for the Lions game. What do you think? If anyone hoped they could take what happened in that game and form any sort of an opinion on on Mason Rudolph's future with this team, you aren't going to get it. Big guy. I mean, unfortunately, the 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 mix of elements that that went wrong in that game really makes evaluation tough. I think honestly, and I, I wrote about this a little bit, that if there's anything that I want to criticize Mason Rudolph for in this game was his arm just didn't seem to be there. Um, this is a kid who at Oklahoma State, you know, chucked it down the field all the time. And he really just was kind of floating passes out there. I don't know if that was a by design. I don't know if he was just a little nervous, worried about the field conditions, but he lobbed some passes in there that if he would have just put a little more behind him, they're, they're probably completions. You know, they're probably probably positive plays. And that, to me, is the one thing I looked at from his performance and wondered, you know, what prompted him to kind of change his style? Because if anything, he's kind of known for sort of putting a little too much heat on passes, especially those short and intermediate throws. And I don't know if he just overcompensated a little bit. Was he wearing but, a glove, yeah. Kurt, on his throwing hand? I can't remember, but was he wearing gloves? No, on okay. his okay. on his offhand he does. Okay, good, good, on good. his offhand. All right, cool. yeah. Continue. But I wasn't, he, I wasn't he sure. did say well, but he did say that there were plays where his offhand glove stuck to the ball as he was pulling back to throw. He he did he did mention that in the postgame that that at times he didn't get a clean a clean draw on his throws because of his other hand which I've never really thought about that before. But if you're, if you're, you know, you come back with both hands on the ball and you try to pull back and you get a little grip on there, maybe it, maybe it does throw his timing off a little bit on his throws. I don't know. Probably the thing to me, you know, I guess one more thing that you can look at Mason Rudolph's performance and wonder about a little bit was Mike Tomlin. um, When he talked to the media on Tuesday, he indicated that a lot of those plays were RPOs that Mason Rudolph chose to pass. And so something he saw out there led him to believe the pass was a better option than the run. Um, and so he was putting the ball in his own hands. You know, he may, maybe he should have, I mean, gosh, I don't know how much, how you could give Najee Harris the ball much more than they did, but they, you know, he was choosing to take the ball and make throws as opposed to handing it off. And there were a lot of times in that game where I felt like a run would have been a much safer call. And, and he, he didn't take that. You know, he didn't take that option. So he's got to kind of own that. You know, he's got to own that he made those decisions and 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 they didn't always work out the way everyone had hoped they would. So, but no, I, I don't think we're any closer uh, to, to understand if either of these backup quarterbacks are ready to play football. I mean, you hear the reports about Dwayne Haskins checking his phone during pregame warmups out on the field and, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if either of those guys were ready, completely ready to play a football game or not, but it came yeah. came about pretty quickly 
I think Rudolph was pretty prepared. You know, Mike Tomlin said they didn't really change the game plan. Um, just because Rudolph was in there, that might have been a mistake by by Tomlin. He probably should have taken a little more control of the play calling, you know, or had Matt Canada take a little more control of the play calling and not give Rudolph those options. Sure, yeah. Um, but, but he just didn't have a whole lot. Like you said, without Chase Claypool, I mean, again, they, I, you know, they gave Najee Harris the ball 26 times. I mean, you can't – you can't ask for a whole lot more out of a running back than that. I mean, he's he's got more touches in the league than any other player. So he had to make some throws because they just ran a ton of plays. I mean, with that extra period, it, you know, they, they did play Caitlin Belange a little bit, and they played Benny Snell a little bit. But, I mean, at some point it was up to Rudolph to make some throws. And, and you know, he made some throws that his receivers dropped and his receivers fumbled. And he missed some throws that probably could have worked. So, I mean, you can, you know, the, and, and he got to live last year's playoff game and watch a snap go over his head. So, I mean, in overtime. So, I mean, it's, you know, he got the full the full gamut of everything that could go wrong on on Sunday. And, you know, he'll, le- he'll learn from it. But I don't, I don't think we learned anything in terms of the future. I don't think, I don't think anything that happens Sunday changes anybody's plans about about who's going to be quarterback next year or anything like that. I think they're still pretty much stuck in in park on that one. Yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely up and down, but I agree with you 100%. And, you know, I'm, I'm less upset with the quarterback. And you know, I, I look at the defense. I mean, Ugh. how did we get to overtime? You, you, you asked that question earlier, Kurt. Like, yeah. the, Jared Goff, he needed the overtime period, which went, what, almost the whole 10 minutes? Oh. <laughs> he needed the overtime period that went the whole 10 minutes. To get over 100 passing yeah. yards in this game, right? Because the Lions were able to rack yeah. up 229 rushing yards on the Steelers. Now, I know T.J. Watt went out, but still, that hurts. The Lions just oh, turning around, awful. handing it to Swift, and just getting all those yards. Like, that was just brutal. Yeah. How did that happen? I mean, you look at, yeah, you look at Harris with 105 yards rushing and think, man, that's a good game. And then you look at DeAndre Swift. He carried it 33 times for 130 yards. I mean, he just... And and they stopped him a lot. I mean, you think about that, 33 carries for 130 yards, and he broke off at least one run that was 20 yards of that. So, I mean, the sledding wasn't always easy for him, but it, they, they were just able just to run the football. I mean, they just found ways to to just gash that front and and use that cutback lane. And, yeah, it's to me that is easily the the biggest disappointment of the game. For everything they did right in in handling Jared Goff, he was probably in a position to only throw for 114 yards because they didn't have to. The game was always close. They never were playing really from behind. They didn't have to, you know, they weren't having to push the ball down the field. Yeah, and, and they were very committed to their game plan, and they dared the Steelers to stop the run, and they just couldn't do it. Yeah, you know, the whole time, Kurt, I was waiting for them, the Steelers' defense, just to get a takeaway to, to end the game. We talked about it last yeah. week. Like, Goff's going to get – he's going to get strip-sacked at least once in this game. He has to. Yeah. But it's the Steelers who turn it over three times, and the Lions turn it over none. And I, I thought that was yeah. just – a all of that stuff adds up to a tie. <laughs> a tie. And, yeah. uh, you know, what's, what's interesting is Najee Harris had an interesting comment after the game about the tie, Kurt, that I want to throw your way. We'll do yeah. questions of the week in our next segment right after this. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. 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 
Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number 11. Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts versus the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans' weakness is its pass defense, and while we've seen somewhat of a transformation by the Eagles into a power running team all of a sudden, expect a return to the aerial game as the primary source of attack. New Orleans ranks as the third worst defense against quarterbacks in the last five weeks. More recently, in the last three games, this unit has given up 47.6% more fantasy points per game than the league average. Both of the rushing scores by quarterbacks against the Saints have come in the most recent two contests, and it never hurts to have Jalen's legs as a bonus. Tennessee Titans running back Deontay Foreman against the Houston Texans. Houston is one of three teams that has allowed more than 1,000 rushing yards so far, and they've done so in only nine games played. Also, this unit has given up the second most rushing yards in that time on a per-game basis. Six touchdowns have been scored in the last four games against this group, and one in every 20.6 rushing attempts has found the end zone for the sixth highest rate. While Foreman will share some touches in the backfield, he has potential for a touchdown and should be good for close to 70 total yards. Not too bad for a flex spot. An even better play should come from wide receiver T. Higgins, Cincinnati Bengals at Las Vegas Raiders. Higgins has scored 13 PPR points and change in each of the last three games, but he remains scoreless in five appearances since week two. The Raiders have been mired by injuries and personnel woes of late, going from being one of the stronger defenses of the position on the year to giving up six of seven total touchdowns to wide receivers in the last four games alone. Coming out of the bye, Higgins is due for a touchdown. New Orleans Saints tight end Adam Troutman at the Philadelphia Eagles. Eight different tight ends have scored 10 plus PPR points points on the year versus Philadelphia, and all but one happened in the last five weeks. Five of those eight touchdowns have come in the last six games, and this is among the best possible matchups for the week. In the last three games, Troutman has been targeted at least five times in each contest, and he's finally starting to show the signs of life that made him an early offseason sleeper prior to being derailed by an injury. He's a flyer for a touchdown and could be a hot DFS play. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Kurt, we're going to call this segment Questions of the Week, you know, all related to the Steelers. And here's the first one. Goes on what Najee Harris said after the game. Uh, it, it wasn't just Najee Harris. It was players from both sides. Uh, did not realize yeah. that you could tie in the NFL. This happens every year. Every time there's a tie in the NFL, players on each team had no idea, some of them. And uh, so this is a two-part question. Like, how much blame should we place on the Steelers coaches for not drilling the overtime rules home? And should NFL games end in, t- in a tie to you? Should they come up with something different? Like, what do you think about that? Well, I like that. I don't mind. I don't have a problem with the overtime rule. I think they just have to figure out a way to communicate that better to rookies coming in. Yeah. You know, I think there were some jokes going around Twitter about maybe they should create a little pamphlet with the, <laughs> this is what's different about the NFL as opposed to college football. You know, two feet down is a catch. And, you know, <laughs> overtime can, games can end in a tie and, and things like that. But, you know, you, you don't even think about stuff. I mean, t- ties happen, and o- even overtime games don't happen very often. So I, I like the fact that Najee Harris can be a little self-deprecating and kind of laugh about it, too. Me too. And, Me too. You know, he's a good guy. He, he's You know, he took it in stride. Um, he could have easily kept that information to himself, and 
we would have never known that he was ready to run back out there and play some more football. So I'm, I'm okay with it. I, I know that some people want to criticize him a little bit for it, but I don't, you know, I'm not too, not too concerned about that one. He'll know next time, but yeah, I mean, there could have been, it could have been had some negative repercussions from it if he didn't know to stop the clock or, or whatever the case may be. But yeah, he's a, he, he handled it about as well as he could for being what could have been pretty embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I just isn't it on the coaches? Like, you have all these meetings throughout the year in the off season too. It's like, what if Najee Harris thinks there's another period and doesn't go out of bounds in a key spot, and you end up tying instead of having a chance to win? Maybe before Fryer Mute yeah. bubbles, right? Like, you never know. Yeah. Like, who knows? Like, something like that could happen. So, I got to put yeah. it on the coaches a little bit. And I kind of sure. like this two-point conversion thing they're doing in college, Kurt. Like, maybe we could figure that out after the 10-minute period if it's still tied. Let's do two-point conversions yeah. back and forth until somebody wins. That could yeah. be kind of fun. The game could go on like forever. A, but like I, a shootout. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. For, for some reason, I think that'd be kind of fun. But in the grand scheme of things, I'm with you. Like, let's just if, – if, if these two teams are too ridiculous to figure it out, then just you deserve a tie. You two teams, yeah. right? So, yeah, almost every team that ends in a tie, you look at it and be like, that was a debacle. You guys deserve that. And the Steelers definitely deserve their tie <laughs> this past week. Yeah, weekend. I mean, when no was doubt. the last time a game – yeah, when was the last time a game ended in a tie and you thought, boy, that was some good football. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, exactly. I mean, that just doesn't happen. So. Right, right, so let's not reward them. So I'm with you. Let's just leave it alone. Freaking tie. Jeez. All right, <laughs> all right. Next question. We're at the midway point, uh, Kurt. So here's the first part of this question. What Steelers player are you most disappointed with at the midpoint, right? What Steelers player just hasn't lived up to expectations that you maybe had in the preseason for him? Uh, for me, it's probably Devin Bush. I, I really, you know, all indications were that he was back and ready to play. I know that we can sit here and say that he's probably not 100%, but he, he almost feels like he's a liability out there at this point if he's not healthy. And, and I, I kind of feel like the coaches are putting him in a tough spot, um, playing him when if, if, if the reason he's not playing well is because his knee isn't a hundred percent, I, I say you sit him down and let him get healthy. If he's healthy and having the kind of struggles he's having right now, that raises even bigger questions for me. But, you know, it, it's, there, there are several guys you can look at. I expected Chase Claypool to be better this year. I expected um, Alex Highsmith to play better this year, but based on what the Steelers did to go get Devin Bush, the expectations coming in and replacing Ryan Shazier, he's the guy that I really, I really looked for big things from him this year. And that's not to say we won't see some at some point, but right now he's the guy, you know, we talk about DeAndre Swift running all over the Steelers defense. Well, that's, that's where he's, that's where they're running is where he is and that's that to me is just a, a huge disappointment yeah that's a good one and, and i played a long curt i put down a name just to see what you would pick and i could throw you the name i had and uh, you mentioned him mm-hmm. i went on the other side of the football chase claypool I, yeah. I mean i know he's hurt right now but i i just expected more out of him this year uh, uh-huh. i thought you know we talked about how the steelers just lacked that downfield threat last year right they just couldn't quite yeah. get it but chase, uh, chase claypool showed signs that he was going to be the guy I thought in his sophomore year he'd come out and start lighting it up this year. I really did. I, did too. I didn't think it'd just be all Deontay Johnson again. But I mean, the, the stat that's kind of alarming here, in his seven games, only six plays of 20-plus yards in the seven games. And there are 19 yeah. wide receivers in the NFL with 10 or more of those big plays. Chase Claypool, only six of them. 
So he's just not getting those big plays that I expected. So he was he's my disappointment. Yeah, yeah. And and if memory serves me, at least one of those is a is a rush. You're probably right. You're probably exactly those, right. One of those is a rushing attempt that he broke off for a long a long run. So yeah, he he just you know, and I I, I blame myself because I I compared him to DK Metcalf. I talked him <laughs> up in the off season. I yep. said this is his year. You know, he's gonna. There's no reason he can't be the next big physical wide receiver and Mike Evans type and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, just, just did me in. I just, yeah, he, De- was, he would definitely be one a with, with Devin Bush for me. So. Yeah. 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 He, he's definitely on the short list and he was really good in the Denver game and they targeted him a ton in the Cincinnati game. It felt like in the Cincinnati game, they were really trying to get him rolling, but they mm-hmm. just haven't been able to do it. And now he's banged up. So yeah, Chase Claypool has been a disappointment. Hopefully he could turn it around. Uh, okay. Flip side of that question. And this might be obvious, but who knows? There's a couple players that you could go with here. Uh, your number one Steelers stud from the first half of the season, Kurt, who has been just either has lived up exactly to your expectations or exceeded them? Well, I think the easy answer is Najee Harris. I think when, when they drafted him, expectations were pretty high, but I don't think anybody thought he was going to, you know, be on pace to break Le'Veon Bell's record for touches in a season. <laughs> Um, sure. To be able to impact the running game, the passing game, the way he has, um, and I still think he's probably not even close to what he's capable of because the offensive lines played so poorly. I mean, if he he's still yards after contact, he's second or third in the league in yards after contact right now. So, I mean, he's he's not getting he's not getting the holes that that he probably should be or will be getting. You know, probably next season. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's just been, everything is advertised and then some, they got off to a little bit of a slow start, but that's to be expected. But I, like I've said on here all, all season long, the, the offense is going to be as good as the offensive line. And when the offensive line is even average, he, he takes advantage of it. You know, it's, it's only when they're really, you know, the, the part like in the game last week, I'm sure part of the reason they they cut back on their rush attempts late in the game was because they had two backups in their both guard positions. You know, you you've got a tackle playing guard and a center playing guard, and you just can't run inside. You know, when you have to make those kind of changes. My my sort of wild card guy, if if I was looking for one that maybe has exceeded, I think everybody expected Najee Harris to be good. I think they're looking for a guy that I don't think anybody expected to play as well as he did. I think you got to look at another rookie. I think Trey Norwood has just been outstanding yep. this year. I, I I think he has been, I think he has been so good. I think that with with um, Mika Fitzpatrick going to be out this week um, on the COVID list, you know, real chance he can get his first NFL start at pre safety. Um, I really really like what he brings. I'm I'm whether they're asking him to line up outside a cornerback or inside in the slot or back as a deep safety. He's he he deserves more snaps than he's getting, and he is he just he has a nose for the football. He finds it and he, he makes plays, and uh, yeah, he's he's my guy that probably has been kind of a sleeper. That I don't think most people looked at him being a late round pick and thought, man, this Norwood he's going to be good. But as an Oklahoma guy, um, I knew he was a playmaker, and when they drafted him, I thought, boy, that was a that was a sneaky pick late like that. So. He'd be my other one, probably. Steelers are always making sneaky picks. They're always good at the draft. Yeah. You know, they 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 rarely make mistakes in that draft. And 
yeah, I, I like both of those picks. I was a little, I, I almost went with Najee Harris too. I was a little scared off by his uh, yards per carry, but again, that might not all be yeah. his fault. Might not all be his fault, as you said. Uh, an obvious player, but I just think he deserves mention. TJ Watt. TJ Watt. Oh, like, yeah. he signs the monster extension, but then he is a monster, right? I love players like that, yeah. that they get their money, Kurt, but then they come out and they just like, they ex- are, they've already exceeded that price tag somehow. Like, 12 and a half sacks. 13 tackles for loss, three force fumbles. He's sixth on the team in tackles. He's an edge player, right? Like, so, and he's missed a game and a half. So he's been an absolute. I was going to say, he's, he's missed almost two full games. Yeah. You know, he missed, and, and to be, to be, you know, right there at the top in stacks in the NFL, and he's played almost two fewer games than anybody else on the list. Yeah. He's, he's amazing. I, I really hope that he's not out for an extended period of time. Same. I, I, he was doing a little work on the individual work on the sidelines today, which is kind of encouraging. Almost no chance he plays, but yeah, he just impresses me more and more. You know, he became the second fastest player to 60 sacks last week in the in the second fewest games to get to 60 sacks. The only guy who got to 60 sacks faster than him is Reggie White. Not bad. So Not bad. I mean, or I guess, I guess he was tied with 60, got his 61st. He passed his brother and Derek Thomas to move into second place behind Reggie White. And so that's that's pretty remarkable. Yeah. And I and I don't blame you for not thinking of him, Kurt, when you you know you went with Norwood and and Harris because TJ Watt's that good and you know you just don't think about him. We expect him to be dominant, but yeah. just the fact that he signed that contract and came out and just continues to be the best defensive player in football is says a lot about the player. So oh. uh, so that was that was a fun little little segment there. And now we have to try to break down this game with the Chargers, Kurt, where we don't know who the hell's playing. Uh, but we yeah. do know this, that the Steelers are decent underdogs in this. Uh, what is this? This is Sunday night, right? Sunday night game against the Chargers? Yeah, Sunday night football, yep. All right. So right after this, we will break down that matchup and make a prediction. Stick with us. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie, Nathan Beagle, to break down this week's Sunday night football game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Los Angeles Chargers. Our friends at Typico Sportsbook have the Chargers laying five and a half. Money lines plus 200 for the Steelers, minus 250 for the LA Chargers. And the total is sitting at 46 and a half. I'm taking the underdog Steelers at plus five and a half. Um, Steelers have a huge edge in the coaching matchup between Mike Tomlin and Brandon Staley. They're much better on third down and red zo- and in the red zone. The Chargers have a negative differential in third down and red zone conversion rate. Also, if you blindly fade the more popular side, which is the Chargers, you win 63% of your primetime games this season. Nate, how are you looking at this game? I'm going with the under 46.5. The Chargers by far have the worst rush defense in the league. Pittsburgh is 25th in opponent's rushing yards per game. It's going to be a lot of running, a lot of killing the clock, especially if we don't know Big Ben's status. I'm going with the under. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado.
All right, Kurt, the Chargers are five and a half point favorites at home against the Steelers on Sunday night, but I don't know if I can bet this yet. I don't know if Ben's out. If Big Ben's out, then yeah. maybe I maybe I like the Chargers in this one, but how the hell do you bet this game if you don't know if uh, Roethlisberger is going to play, right? Like, that's that's tough. It is. It's a, that's We won't probably won't know till Friday. You know, that's the, that's the problem. But on the other side, is Joey Bosa going to play? Good, good one. You know, he's, he, he's, he's in the protocol for close contact, him and Tillery, the defensive tackle. So, I mean, that, that's a huge difference. I mean, if, if Bosa can't play, that makes who's under center for the Steelers a little more manageable. But if, if Ben plays and Bosa can't go, I mean, I think that kind of swings the, the advantage a little more toward the Steelers. Unfortunately, it's all the other things. You know, TJ Watt's not going to play. I mean, Taco Charlton is probably going to get the start Here this we go. week. It's and taco so time. you've got it's Taco time. You know, and that to me is is a problem. We, you know, Kevin Dotson's not going to play. So DJ Finney's going to start at left guard. I mean, there's just there's injuries in places that the Steelers don't have depth for. That really worries me whether Roethlisberger plays or not. You know, Minka's not going to play. I, I do like Norwood. I'm just a little worried that Butler, Keith Butler's going to put um, Miles Killebrew in there instead. And I don't think Killebrew's anything more than a special teams guy. If Joe Hayden can't play, that puts Justin Lane at a point where he's going to be out on the field. And I just have a feeling that Chargers can really could really take advantage of that. So. I don't. I don't like the Steelers' odds, whether Ben plays or not, um, only because of all the other spots where where they they are going to have replacements in. Yep. I I just this this game to me sets up really badly for Pittsburgh either way. I, I think Ben will play. I I my understanding is that by the end of the week he'll be out of the protocol, and Tomlin's already said. He's going to play. He doesn't need to be here to practice. He's played with minimal preparation before. So I expect that's all angling toward him being on the field, but I just don't know. I, I, and I don't know, you know, this will be the first time in a couple of weeks the Steelers have had to prepare for a team that can actually run it and throw it. You know, realistically, against the Lions, the, the goal was supposedly stop the run and they could win. Well, they couldn't stop the run, so they couldn't win. It was the same thing with the Bears. You know, they, they were able to beat the Bears because the Bears are basically one-dimensional. And so Chargers can do a little bit of everything. They've got skill players. They've got a great quarterback. Austin Eckler can run the football. He can catch the football. I'm just not sure the defense can can handle that assignment with, with Watt out and make a fits. I mean, you got two of your three best defensive players not going to be on the field. That's tough. Yeah, and, and this is all kind of feeding. So I was already leaning one way, and now your commentary, Kurt, just put me over the top. I, I The bet that I love is the over. Uh, 47.5 is the number. I just feel like that number's too low because of all yeah. the things you're saying, right? Ben Roethlisberger, probably on track to play, right? Missed last week. Yeah. We knew that was going to happen, but on track to play. And then all these names you mentioned, Joey Bosa, he might miss this. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, he might miss this thing with COVID. Uh, you mentioned Joe Hayden in his foot injury. You mentioned TJ Watt with his hip, right? All these defensive players are out. Yep. And the Chargers, I mean, they score points. Justin Herbert's an, an amazing quarterback. Austin Eckler, run pass threat, right? Mike Williams and yeah. Keenan Allen. I mean, they've got an attack, and, it's, and their defense is not great by any means. Eighth worst in the league in giving up 25 points per game. 
I think points are going to get scored in this ball game. I think there's enough pieces missing too. on each defense that if the total stays at 47 and a half, oh man, jump on that multiple units. I'm staying away from the spread. I agree with you. The Chargers are a weird team, tough to predict, and with all the injuries, it's hard to predict who's going to win the game by how much. But I think it's easier to predict that there's going to be points scored, and I yeah. really like the over 47 and a half. That's where I would bet. Me too. I, I definitely think that both teams are, are going to be slinging it back and forth. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I, you know, especially if the Chargers are minus two of their starting guys up front, um, Pittsburgh's going to move the football. If Ben gets back out there, he's just going to be itching to to throw it. Um, Friar Muse looking to and and Deontay Johnson both looking for some retribution from those sure. fumbles last week. Yep. Um, Chase Claypool practiced a little bit today. There's a chance he can play. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be big. You know, a big a big number. It could be. I mean, you said the number the over under is what forty seven or something like forty seven and a half. Forty seven and a half. Yep. I mean, the Chargers may get all those. I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, it's, I think there's going to be a lot of points scored either way. I mean, it could be – this game could finish 35-20. to 20. You know, it could be a blowout either way, but there's still going to be a lot of points scored. I think at least the Chargers will be in the high 20s. You just gave up 16 to yeah. the Lions. I mean, come on. Yeah. And they're missing field yeah. goals and stuff too. <laughs> you know, like they can't uh, reach a field goal. And, like, what was that, 48 yards? He couldn't reach the field goal? I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. Heinz Field, baby. That's an advantage. Yeah. <laughs> All right. They said they said the field was a mess, so I don't know if that had anything to do with it or oh, not. Because well, they'd had a game on there the day before. That so. kicker kicked. He got he got more turf than football in that kick. I don't know if you yeah, saw that. that yeah. was hilarious. I was dying when he, he made it worse. Yeah, what a terrible kick that was. Freaking Lions, but we still tied that team. So and the the thing is, Kurt. Even if this one goes south, even if I mean this is a tough spot at the Chargers Sunday night. Chargers are a good team. Their backs kind of against the wall. They've lost a few now. Even if you lose this though in the AFC, you're you're far from out of it. You're still right there. This AFC, nobody well, wants to nobody wants to win this conference. So even if they lose this game, yeah. we'll be back next week. They'll still be in it. I mean, yeah. I mean, they, they lose this week, and then you're eyeing two AFC North games in a row. Yep. So here we go. It it change it could change everything. One hundred percent. So that's the show for this week. That was fun. Uh, for Kurt Popejoy and Ryan O'Leary, thanks for joining us, and uh, we will catch you all next time. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.